0: Good morning. Super Bowls tonight? Yeah. Any Steelers fans? Packers fans? Okay. Very good. It's exciting. You all seen the weather down in Dallas? Huh? Ice down there? You ever heard the old saying when hell freezes over? Even God is against the Super Bowl in Dallas, everybody. Come on, man, how long, how how long do we have to look for signs from God about the Dallas Cowboys that God's against this thing? Come on, my goodness. So we're talking about anger today. (laughs) All right, we're talking about anger today. So we thought we'd get it started with a bang. Uh, Before I get into, uh, before I get into anger, uh, twice in the past four months, we've called uh, the whole church to fast about you know things that are particular to your lives or the people that are around you and to fast and to pray and to look to God. And I've heard of some amazing answers to prayer as a result of those fasting days. And what the Bible tells us is that we should give praise to God when God answers. So here's what I want to encourage you with because on the first Sunday in March, we're going to spend one Sunday going right through the Bible and learning what the Bible has to say about fasting and praying, what it does and why we do it and all of that. So if you have had an answer, If something is you fasted about something these last two times we did it. You fasted about something, there's been an answer. I want to encourage you to let me know. Send me an email, give me a connect card. Had somebody walk out after the first service, handed me a connect card. They said, well, we were really fasting for a house." We got a house. So he was really excited about that. So uh, if there's something happens, I, I, please let me know what has taken place. Give me an email, connect card or something because we want to reference that for the series coming, or for the one sermon coming up in March. All right, anger. Hold on. Managing our anger well. Let me throw out a disclaimer. We're talking about normal, everyday anger here. Normal, everyday frustrations, the interruptions, the irritations, the inconveniences that happen that cause us to, ah, you know, get upset. I'm not talking about this wild explosive. Somebody just, you know, has a massive anger. We're talking about normal, common stuff. So I want to throw that out before i begin there's a lot of anger there's a lot of normal everyday frustration that's going on in this world 64 percent of people believe that we as a people are getting angrier 45 percent of people admit that they lose their temper on a regular basis at work now the anger that we can have can be explosive like just everybody knows it that person's angry right or it can be that passive-aggressive, that inward stuffing, that simmering, that brewing that just happens in our lives. It could be either way. Now, why in the world would we want to manage our anger? Why would, why, why would I want to manage my anger in the first place? Because, you know, anger, you get this huge adrenaline rush. It can be almost addictive, everybody, and it, it kind of feels good. And it can even make you feel powerful, and you just kind of blow your top. Everybody goes scrambling, right? That feels powerful. Oh, man, look what happened when I blew my top. Anger gets results. Anger gets respect. You you told him. You showed her, right? So why would I want to manage it in the first place? It's a question we have to think about as we begin today. What do you all think the angriest city in America is? Anybody want to venture a guess? What well, do you think the angriest? New York City? Okay, I've heard a lot of New York. Detroit? D.C.? Who said Dallas? Man, thank you very much. Gosh, that's a spiritual person up there. In, in touch with God, understands what's going on. Okay, do you know what the angriest city in America is? Orlando, Florida. Angriest city in America, according to Men's Health Magazine, is Orlando, Florida. That little mouse down there isn't making us as happy as they told us the mouse would make us. Do you know what the number two most angriest city in America is? St. Petersburg, Florida. What's going on in Florida? Who's living in Florida that's so angry? Old people. I wasn't going to say it. Somebody over there said old people. That gracious. That threw me, threw me for a loop. Orlando, St. Petersburg, third most angry city, Detroit. That makes sense to me. Makes complete sense, Detroit. You know anybody from Detroit? I do. So, uh, Baltimore fourth angriest city is baltimore but do you know what the fifth one is check this out nashville tennessee all those country music people are angry nashville tennessee where did washington dc come in on the list 25th, 25th. who read you read that already then if you've yelled out 25 right washington dc is 25th on the list there are serious bad negative side effects To anger, headaches, digestive problems, insomnia, high blood pressure, anxiety, depression, heart attacks, and stroke. I read one study that the number one cause for heart attacks is anger. This is what it says. Quote, chronic exposure to hostile interactions. Number one cause, heart attacks. Angry people are five times more likely to die under the age of 50 than people who manage their anger well. Mark Twain said this. I thought it was a very good quote. Anger is an acid That can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. Mismanaged anger destroys our bodies. Mismanaged anger destroys our relationships. This past summer, I was with my wife. We were on vacation. We were walking through a park. There was a family, father, mother, and uh, a son and a daughter. And the boy looked like he was 11 or 12 years old. The dad was just kind of blowing his top. I don't know what he's angry about. He's angry about something. And he was just lashing out at his son. And you could just tell that little boy he was crushing his spirit. And then the dad just kind of sulked, you know, just huffs off, really angry. And the mom was trying to console the boy. My heart just went out. That kid's spirit was crushed. And the ramifications on their relationship later on and on that boy's life as he relates to other people had to be affected. It's terrible. So mismanaged anger destroys our bodies. It destroys our relationships. The dictionary, remember dictionary.com, dictionary.com says that anger is a strong feeling of displeasure. Dictionary.com says love is a feeling of something good. It's a good feeling. So think about that for a second. Is that true? We've been talking about is love a feeling. Is is love a feeling? Has anybody been tracking? Is love a feeling? No. Love is a determined act of the what? The will. It's a determined act of the will. And here's the thing. If anger is a bad feeling, then why is it in some situations that it makes me feel good to get angry? If It's a feeling. And if I choose in those difficult situations, if I choose love, love actually makes me feel a whole lot worse. Like, I'd rather choose getting angry because, man, it makes me feel, in in the short term, it makes me feel a whole lot better to get angry than it does if I choose love over here. It's a very difficult thing to do. Love is a determined act of the will. So 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 5 says, Love is not easily angered. What does the word easily angered mean? It means to make sharp. To make sharp. So when you mismanage anger here, it's like a knife. We can use knives for very good purposes. But if you mishandle it, you could get cut and somebody else could get cut. Because like that father in the park with his son... You lose your anger, you don't manage it well, and all of a sudden you start cutting somebody, yourself and other people around you, because you get sharp. You have to manage it well. It's very, very important. Now, I want to say this before we really dive into managing anger. Anger has a very positive side. Anger, when we get angry, it can motivate us to stand up against an injustice, right? We see something going wrong, sparks inside of us, and we decide no more. This can't happen anymore. I've had enough Jesus Christ in the temple, right? Long story short, Jesus is in the temple there in Jerusalem. He sees a bunch of bad stuff going on in the name of God. And he got so angry that he said, not in my house this far and no farther. And he makes a whip and he drives out the animals that they had inside of there. He turns over the tables. I mean, he got angry. He said, no more. I will not stand for this anymore. We've been talking about the fact that love is the decision to be patient, to be kind, and to serve so far. We have talked about that. But that does not mean that we put up with everything from other people. That does not mean that we do not set wise boundaries. Like before we get angry, we set wise boundaries about what is appropriate and inappropriate. Boundaries with our families, boundaries with our friends, our spouse, our kids, our work, our neighbors. We should set wise boundaries. This is an old story. It's a parable about this ferocious lion and this lion lived outside of a village. He lived in the jungle outside of, this, outside of this village. And this lion, this ferocious lion, he would chase the villagers all the time and he would bite them and chase after them and they were scared to death. So finally the villagers, they go and they talk to this wise owl that lived in the jungle as well. He said, what do you think we should do? We're scared to death of the lion. And the, lion said, and the owl says, look, look, it's okay. I'll talk to the lion. Goes to the lion and says, listen, Mr. Lion, everybody's afraid of you. And here's the problem. That might feel good and you're you know ferocious and everything, but you're going to be all alone. You keep acting this way. You keep losing it all the time with your anger and you're going to be all alone and that's going to be a terrible place to be. And so the lion says, you're right, I'm changing. I'm not going to chase or bite anybody anymore. So he stops. The villagers come back into the jungle at first. They were really scared, tentative around the lion. But eventually they realize he's not going to bite him. He's not going to chase him anymore. Well, after a while, they get so comfortable, you know, they start calling them names. They start yelling and screaming at them. Eventually, they pick up rocks and sticks, and they throw it at the lion, all this kind of stuff. One day, the owl goes looking for the lion. He finds the lion in the cave. And the lion's in the cave, and he's bruised, and he's bleeding. And he's just cowering, this huge, ferocious lion cowering in this cave. And the owl says, what are you doing? He says, I told you I wasn't going to chase the people. I wasn't going to bite them. In. I, wasn't do it. He said, I told you, the owl says the lion, I told you not to chase them. I didn't tell you to stop roaring. For some of us, we're in situations where we need to put down a boundary and we need to find our roar again. We need to say, you know what, this far, no farther. A wise boundary. If you need to talk to somebody about wise boundaries, do it. God is not asking us to choose love, to be walked over top of other people and to be abused. God is not asking that us. So I just want to throw that disclaimer because we've been beating this drum pretty hard about the fact that all the power is in us. Because we don't have power over anybody else, right? No power. So when it comes to interactions and relationships with other people, all the power is in us because I can only control me. I cannot control you. As badly as I want to control you, I can't do it. But that doesn't mean we get walked over top of. Aristotle, this this is something I thought was really good and something I want us to think about this morning. He said, anyone can become angry. That's easy. But to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose, and in the right way. This is not so easy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I want to just thank you, God, that your word gives us so many wonderful, incredible, powerful nuggets of wisdom. That you direct us, God, what we can do about having better relationships and managing our anger well, so that we could use it in the right way at the right time for your honor and your glory, and so we could stop using it in inappropriate ways and destroying our bodies and destroying our relationships. Father, speak to each one of us today in a powerful way. We know you want us to have great relationships. Help us, Lord, and we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, I want you all to help uh, me welcome Ryan Sturgill here uh, this morning. Come right over, my good man. Uh, Let me just as a disclaimer throw it out. Uh, Ryan's not an anger monster. He's not. It's not the reason we got him up here this morning. Ryan's done a good amount of thinking and research and reading and talking about this subject, and we knew that. And so, he had some really wonderful, insightful things to say. And so, we asked Ryan, "Would you be willing to talk to us for a few moments?" And he graciously said yes. So we uh, really appreciate that. So please, give you help me welcome again, Ryan
1: Sturges, going to talk to us for a few moments. Thanks, buddy. It's all you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Pastor John. Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't know whether to be honored or embarrassed that they wanted me to come talk about anger management. At, at first, I kind of thought they wanted me to come up here and say, Hi, my name's Ryan, and I have an anger problem. Um, but uh, I have, like you said, I have done a lot of thought, a lot of thought, uh, and some reading and talking about it. And I wanted to maybe talk to you guys about some of the things that I've learned. Um, but I just want to off, offer up another disclaimer, and that is uh, I haven't completely conquered uh, the, the monster of anger um, because you never know what you're going to run into when you wake up in the morning. You're always going to run into those situations that could potentially set you off. But the key is to try and figure out what your triggers are and uh, and, and and handle things that way. So uh, start off with a couple stories. Uh, Last year, Details Magazine uh, ran an article on anger and stress management that was written by a wartime uh, photographer. Um, uh, This guy uh, remarked on the fact that he couldn't believe how bad stress and anger was in modern day metropolitan society. He spent uh, a lot of time in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, getting shot at every day. And convoys that he rode in were subject to IED, explosions, you name it. He had been through it. But he, hands down, believed that it was more stressful just living back in here in New York City than it was in Afghanistan. Because his only worry was getting an Internet connection and uploading his photos back to his boss here in the States. Um, he attributes the fact to the stress levels being so high in, in what some people call the tyranny of the urgent. Uh, On a daily basis, you've got to deal with deadlines, an overflowing email inbox, constant demands from the boss, from your family. You can't find time to eat right. You have to struggle to fit in any exercise. You deal with traffic if you drive, delays and crowdedness on the metro. By the way, I couldn't really believe that D.C. was number 25 on that list because have you ever ridden the metro in rush hour or or tried to park in D.C. during the workday? So... Basically, what the guy was saying is that your next meltdown is around the corner. Um, and and unfortunately, as you get older, anger starts to manifest itself physically. Hypertension, heart attacks, just like Pastor John alluded to. You could even call it the silent killer. So um, Dale Carnegie, uh, a lot of you guys have heard about him. He wrote the book, How to Win, uh, Win Friends and Influence People. Well, he wrote another book called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. You can kind of lump uh, worry, stress, and anger into the same ball of wax. Um, he told countless stories about individuals uh, that were bedridden and legitimately physically sick from stress and worry. Uh, their, their blood pressure and their, and their health was so bad, the doctors told them, look, you need to stay in bed, and oh, by the way, you're probably going to die in six months. He told story after story about that. But the interesting thing was the commonality in all these stories and all these different people. And that was that they each had a reckoning. They each had a, a, a moment where they realized that uh, it's not worth the health problems. And they found that problem through prayer. I thought that was very interesting because this is a secular book that's sold millions and millions of copies. And Dale Carnegie over and over and over again stressed the power of prayer and how that can help heal. Um, they each use their different techniques to eventually get out of bed and go on and live long, healthy lives. So, um, so why am I up here sounding like I have an MAA? That's a master's in anger administration, in case you didn't know. Um, so <laughs> I've had my own, uh, personal saga with anger, if you will. And it might be, you know, very similar to a lot of you y'all out in the audience, um, I typically always got frustrated really easily growing up. Um, and I think it's because I always wanted everything to be perfect. Um, flare-ups typically happen for me on the basketball court. I, I know I don't look like it, but I did play basketball. Um, it happened pretty often, um, but it was usually with myself. With If I wasn't an all-star all day every day, I was angry. Um, and I went to college Started out on the basketball team, but by my junior year, I had to quit because I had just spent two years constantly angry, and I had worked myself pretty down on the pecking order, and, um, you know, I had to give it up. The hindsight is 2020, but I always wish I could rewind the clock and change my attitude for those two years, and maybe I might have some good memories about basketball during my college years. So uh, once I graduated, I entered the Navy, and uh, it, it definitely uh, tended to flare up more often, Uh, I spent a number of years on ships whenever I was active duty. And um, if there's ever a situation that is a pressure cooker for anger issues, that is a U.S. naval vessel. Take about 400 guys, lock them in a metal box, send them out in the middle of the ocean. The food's usually bad. Everybody's seasick. If you're like me, you're bumping your head every 15 seconds. Yeah. So if I were to sit here and talk to you about all the different episodes, if you will, where it was an issue, we might miss kickoff tonight, Super Bowl. Um, But just to give you two quick highlights, you know, uh, at one point, I actually got so angry during an argument with a uh, superior officer, I actually threw him down the passageway. The only reason I didn't get court-martialed and kicked out of the Navy was but my executive officer was so shocked and appalled that I did that. But he didn't know what to do. Um, He actually told me, he said, well, I I really want you to say you're sorry. So here I am, 30 years old. I have to walk up to this uh, officer I just got in this altercation with and say, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I threw you down the hallway. (laughs) I won't do it again. It was a little embarrassing. Um, But there are also times where it got ugly, uh, and and I went through periods of of heavy drinking to try and – Relieve the stress or forget, and, and nothing good ever comes out of that. Um, the interesting thing is at this point, I still didn't think I had any kind of issue with it um, as far as I was concerned, it was everybody else's fault. that guy's an idiot, he's being unreasonable, that's ridiculous. I'm the smartest guy in the room, yeah, so um my pride was so big and loud I really I didn't have the ability to see that I had any fault so so then. I got out of the Navy and three things happened. Uh, number one, I started to routinely get in situations at work where my immediate superior and I were at odds. So I started to notice that a pattern was developing and people either avoided me or they pushed my buttons more because it was like a huge red target on my chest. I mean, it was easy to figure out what would, what would set me off. Second thing that happened, uh, I met my wife, Lauren. Beautiful, sweet, pure, patient, easygoing Lauren. Let me just tell you, if you can make that woman concerned and have her say, hey, you need to maybe talk to somebody about this, you know you got an issue. Uh, By the way, she wanted me to say that when I get mad, I don't throw her down the hallway. (laughs) She also wanted me to say, go Steelers. So, yeah. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough at home. Um, in case you want to know how beautiful she is, she's right there. I'm gonna pay for that later. All right, the third thing—the third thing I—the uh, third thing that happened—and it was the the straw that broke the uh, camel's back, pretty much literally. Um, I broke my hand um, from punching a wall in a church basketball league. Who does that? <laughs> Um, it's kind of funny. A lot of the women, when I walked around my cast, they would say, oh, geez, what's, what what happened? But all the guys would just say, oh, you punched the wall, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. kind, of a, kind of a guy thing, I guess. Um, needless to say, when I was sitting in the emergency room near tears from the pain of, you know, the bones sticking in, out of my hand, um, I realized that I needed to make a change if I was ever going to live past 40. Um. So uh, I, I talked to Derek. Uh, he's been a tremendous uh, friend and confidant uh, since I've been coming to Grace. And, I, you know, I figured that there had to be some sort of a, a resource that that, uh, that we had access to. And he pointed me in that direction, and, and, and it really, it really, really helped. Talking to someone basically always helps, and it doesn't need to be a professional counselor. Uh, you know, you just find someone that you trust, you know, preferably like a, your significant other or family member or somebody you respect. It, it always helps. You just kind of have to. Kind of suck up some of that pride, you know. If if even if you're not a talker, you gotta talk about it. Um, through through the counseling, uh, I was given biblical references on, on on why it's why it's not good to be angry. Second um, Chronicles uh, chapter seven verses twelve through twenty two. I'm not gonna read it off to you now, but if you wanna ever kind of look at that and kind of kind of think on something for a while, that that talks a lot about how whenever you're angry it's a sign that you're taking your eyes off God because God doesn't want you to be angry unless it's for something that's that's worthy of it, like like pastor alluded to um, so that was the big kind of like my 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 big uh tool that i that I use you know to this day uh that okay if i 'm getting angry about this, is this something that is really a bad situation, or is this just something i'm 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 too attached to um, that's a good technique to kind of cool the cool the jets when you're in the heat of the moment. Um, you know, some of my ways to cope, you know, I use exercise, uh, you know, try and get good sleep. You can eat clean foods, you know, write down your thoughts in a journal. But if you can't do any of those things, pray. If you can't do any of those things, prayer still helps. And in the, in the course of that prayer, just own it, Own, own what your issue is and then let it go. Um, basically the bottom line, what I was trying to get to today is that, uh, I can't tell you how much further along in life I would be, um, uh, had I learned to control my anger at a young age. Um, and I urge you all, if you're struggling with this kind of thing, you know, talk to somebody about it, you know, talk to me, I'll, I'll talk to anybody about this. If it means that you don't have to deal with some of the issues I've dealt with, um, then it can change your life. So, thanks for, thanks for your time today.
0: Each other. Thank you, Ryan. That was very good. I'm uh, just going to speak just a few moments from some scriptures about how we can uh, manage our anger better. And what Ryan said, what he concluded there is about how could we we could be much farther along. We could do much better if we get this animal of anger under control so ephesians chapter four some excellent verses about dealing with anger and uh you notice what ryan was talking about, he talk about it talking you notice he kept saying that well check out the connection to this passage about anger and talking here in ephesians four what this adds up to then is this no more lies no more pretense tell your neighbor the truth in Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. All right, So there's all about talking and speaking the truth. Then it says, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as a fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry and don't go to bed angry. You might be familiar with it said this way. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't go to bed angry. Don't, check this out, don't give the devil That kind of foothold in your life. Mismanaged anger slows us down. I put a bunch of kind of little one-liners there for you. The Bible says about anger on your blue sheet. I just want to mention one here right now. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 says, Don't be quick to fly off the handle. Anger boomerangs. You can spot a fool by the lumps on his head. Boy, that is so true. If we fly off the handle, we let our anger get the best of us. It's only going to come back in boomerang and hit us upside the head so we got two things for us to think about here real quickly first of all is this anger is an early warning signal pay attention to it it is an early warning because says, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks all right you could also add to that out of the heart We act and we do certain things and we speak or whatever. We make those decisions. It's in our heart. And so when you get angry about something, you need to look a little bit deeper and say, what's going on inside of my heart? Why am I getting angry about this thing? What's happening? So Cain got very, very angry in Genesis chapter 4. He gets really angry about a situation. He was kind of humiliated. He felt he was humiliated. Because his brother has this better sacrifice in Genesis chapter 4. So God goes to Cain. He says, hey, Cain, what's wrong? What are you doing? Are you okay? Talk to me. And what's so interesting about that interaction is Cain never speaks. He's silent the whole way. He never talks about it. Never says a thing. Maybe you've been around about somebody before and you say, hey, is everything okay? And they'll say, yeah, I'm fine. everybody knows they're not fine. And maybe, maybe, maybe they get really good or maybe you get really good that when somebody says everything okay, and you're just on fire on the inside, maybe you're so good, you're so good at acting that you're just, oh, yeah, I'm fine. But inside, you're just seething, you're seething because you don't talk about it. So God says to Cain, let's talk about it. You can. And then he says these words, you can master this thing. You must subdue this thing. Well, Cain doesn't talk about it. And how does that situation end? It ends very badly because Cain kills, murders his younger brother Abel. And so we need to talk about it. James 5.16 says this. Confess your sins. What does that mean? This means talk about your problems. Confess your problems to each other. Then check us out. What are you supposed to do then? Pray about it. Pray about it. Pray for each other so God can heal you. When a believing person prays, great things happen. You know, we all talk about venting, right? Venting. I need to vent. Sometimes we need to vent. It's good to vent. But if all we ever do is vent, 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 are we being productive? Are we making any kind of change? Are we getting anywhere? Are we just sitting in the slop and just churning, churning, churning? So that's why the Bible says, you know what? Talk about it, right? Vent about it. Confess it. Get it out there. But then do something productive with it. Something like prayer or seeking counsel. Do something productive with your situation. All right. Here's the second thing that we need to think about is this. Anger is triggered by things we care about. So we need to figure our triggers. Anger is triggered by things we care about. Listen, we don't get angry about things we don't care about. So if you're getting angry, whatever level that is, you're at a two or you're at a ten, wherever you might be, right? You need to ask yourself this question. It's very logical, very pragmatic. What is it here that I care about? So somebody does something to you at work or in the neighborhood or whatever, man. You just ah, you just can't believe they would do this. How could they? Look, how could that? Why would they? You know, you go on and on. Stop for a second. And say, why is this making me so angry? What is it here that I really care about? You know, sometimes I find in myself when I really analyze the situation. Well, it's not so much what the other person did. It's just I just had selfish thing. I just, you know, I selfish ideas or things that I wanted to accomplish, and they infringed on that. A lot of our anger is triggered by our selfishness. We have a dog. I never wanted the dog. I fought against the dog for years. So when I'm really tired and I come home and it's midnight and it's, John, can you go walk the dog? Whoa. Mm. Right? Angry. Why do I get angry? I want to sleep. I don't want to deal with the dog. It's all. Be- okay. I don't want to go on because I <laughs> myself too much there. That, that. Ask yourself, what does you care about? Look, Moses had a massive anger issue. Moses. The most humble man that ever walked the face of the earth had a massive, massive anger issue. Exodus chapter 11, it says Moses was hot with anger. Exodus 11, hot with anger. Why? Because Pharaoh rejected what Moses asked him. Moses asked, let my people, he said, no. Not going to do it. Rejects him. Exodus 11, hot with anger. Exodus 16, they're out in the desert. Israelites, Moses, out in the desert. We're told that Moses gets very angry. Why? Because they paid no attention to Moses' instructions about the manna. It it specifically says they paid no attention, and it makes him really angry about what they did. And Exodus 32, it says that Moses' anger burned. The most humble man that ever walked the face there, his anger burned within inside of him. Exodus 32, he's up on Mount Sinai and God is giving him the Ten Commandments. It says by the finger of God, God writes the Ten Commandments on two stone tablets and hands it to him. And Moses is coming down. And you know what they said down in the valley? They said, we know, who is this fellow Moses? We don't even know who this guy is. We haven't heard. He's been gone for 40 days and all of a sudden they got amnesia. He's led them out. He's freed them from slavery. and they said, We don't even know who he is. They reject his leadership. He comes down, he sees that he takes the two stones, he throws them down and breaks them because his anger burns inside of him. OK, Numbers chapter 16, it says he was very angry when Korah and 250 of his followers reject his leadership. Are you catching the theme? He gets hot. He gets very angry. And finally, in Numbers chapter 20, you know what? Here's the thing. We can go for a long time as, oh, you know, my anger is, you know, I, I, I know I get, I get angry every now and then. But, you know, it's not really hurting anybody badly. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Eventually, if we don't deal with it, it catches up with us. And, boy, it comes back and it bites. And it bites really hard like that boomerang that puts a big lump on the side of our head. Eventually, it nails us. And eventually, it nails Moses in Numbers chapter 20. They were upset. They wanted to drink. That's practical. We all need to drink water, right? need something to drink but they got angry with moses and they rejected his leadership again and they were fussing and fuming and grumbling against moses and moses gets angry with them he says god what do you want me to do and god says moses go over and speak to this rock and i'm gonna bring water out of this rock speak to the rock and moses takes his staff and he walks over that rock and he turns to the people and says do you want me to bring water out of this rock and he's just raving he takes his staff and he beats the rock twice water comes out and they all drink god says there's a consequence for you your lifelong dream of leading these people into the promised land, into freedom, into safety, into land flowing with milk and honey has been forfeited. It's finally come back and it's bit you. All these years, you never manage your anger well. You let it go. You let it go. You let it go. You let it go. And your lifelong dream has now toast. You're not taken to the promised land. Moses needed to deal with his anger. We can get away with it a while for not forever. Moses You know, we've been talking about this. You have to figure out your core fears. Very important. When I understand my core fears, and I understand the core fears of the people who I'm closest with, that is a huge leg up in our relationship. A massive leg up. Moses, core fear, rejection. Cain, core fear, humiliation. King Saul, core fear, abandonment. What are these core fears? Very important we understand it because it sets a trigger. Now, inside of those, there is, and Ryan talked about it, perfection or perfectionism and paranoia right when we have a certain expectation level so i expect i expect things to go like this and the reality is is things go somewhere right around here the gap between reality and my expectation problem problem anger right in here so we have to think about our expectations what are some common expectations that maybe we have well i expected i'd get a raise i expected i'd get a promotion i expected i would get the office with a window I expected I'd be married by now. I expected to have kids by now. I expected my kids would be obedient by now. I expected my kids would sleep through the night by now. I expected that my spouse would understand me. I expected the dishes to already be done and the house to be clean. I expected to go home and go to bed. Said I have to walk the dog. I expected to watch I expected to watch TV tonight like all night uninterrupted I expected a phone call I expected flowers I expected chocolate I expected a foot massage I expected long walks and talks I expected sex I expected the family I married into to be normal (laughs) I expected a better life perfectionism when we put too much pressure on ourselves and on the people around us this is a problem and it leads to anger even God does not do that with us Psalm 103, God says, I know that you are not perfect human beings. We are not perfect. Therefore, I'm going to cut you some slack. We need to cut ourselves some slack and cut slack to people around us. We have to do this. Perfectionism, paranoia, second P, the two Ps, perfectionism, paranoia, paranoia. We get paranoid. We get very suspicious. You see the people that didn't say hi to me? They didn't wave. They didn't shake my hand. Didn't even acknowledge me. They hate me. <laughs> Think I'm worthless. See the two people over there talking? They're talking about me. Probably saying bad things. Probably saying how boring the sermon is. Talking about what they're gonna have for lunch, right? So paranoia, suspicion—those two things—they have to factor in. Okay, let me wrap this up. We can win over anger and we can manage it well god would not give us a command that we could not fulfill if we couldn't do it he wouldn't tell us we could god would have never said to cain hey cain you must master it if cain could not master it the only reason god gave cain that command you must master it is because it was possible for him so you gotta just you can win over it so when you use this word win three things about it to remember the w stands for walk somewhere in other words ryan talked about exercise this is actually critically important I don't care if you walk or you fly a kite. I don't care if you run or you play basketball or whatever you do, you dance, but do something because when we move, our body releases endorphins and they make us feel better and we make better decisions when we feel better. When we exercise, it balances us, it calms us, it improves our outlook on life. Sometimes when we get seething with anger, we just kind of become couch potatoes. We sit around, we brew about it. Do something, walk, exercise, move, move. It reduces worry and stress. The I stands for this, and when? Ignite your stuff. Now, you can put whatever word in the S, fill in the blank, that you feel good about. You can put whatever word. I just chose the word stuff. But ignite whatever, okay, you want to put in there. Ephesians 4.26 is don't let the sun go down on your wrath. This is so critically important. What is it saying? Don't let your grudges build up. Don't let that stuff collect over and over. All your junk build and build and build. I heard this incredible statistic. Check this out this past week, which jives totally with the wisdom of the word of God. 25%. If I'm angry right here in this situation, 25% is contributed to what's happening right here, right now, why I'm angry. 25% of what happened is because of right here, right now. 75% in this situation here, why I'm angry, is all the buildup that led to that moment. There is much more weight on all the grudges and all the junk that we've stored away for so many years. And that's why we must clean it out. It's hard to clean it out. It is not easy to clean it out, but you can't let the sun go down on your wrath. You've got to clean your junk out. If you need to apologize to somebody, apologize. I know it's humbling. Ryan talked about that a minute ago. I'm sorry. You know, I'm a grown man saying I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you need to say you're sorry. Say you're sorry to whoever you need to say sorry and actually mean it, right? Say you're sorry and clear the deck that way. If you need to forgive somebody, forgive them. If you don't want to forgive them, and listen, ah, there's been situations in people in my life, I don't want to forgive. I don't feel like forgiving them. You know, people say, well, you should pray about it. Ask God. To help. I don't want to pray and ask God to help me. I'm happy being mad at them. Right? It makes me feel good seething at them. They don't deserve forgiveness, and I don't feel like... So, But you can't do that. It's going to build up, and it's going to affect all of your good relationships, everybody. Don't let that person and the wrong thing that they did to you affect all of your good relationships down the road. Cut it out. It's not good. So God, help me. I don't want to forget. Be honest with God. Forget the fluff religious talk. Be honest with God. Tell God just the way it is. You hate them. Tell them tell, if you hate these people. Say I hate these people. I don't want to forgive them. Can anything you do with that, God? There you go. Ooh. Okay. Be honest with God. Lay it right out there. Ask God for help. Seek wise counsel. Talk, talk, talk to somebody. Prefer, preferably a wise person. Talk to somebody like that. Right? You know. And we're going to end in a few minutes. Our prayer team is always over here. I mean, if you could get somebody praying for you, I mean, that is like that is that's a layup. Do that. Have people pray for you as much as possible. People that you can trust. Have them pray. All right, listen, you know how uh, when we want to get rid of junk in our house, you know how Goodwill calls or Purple Heart or whatever, right? So, I mean, call somebody, call Purple Heart, call Goodwill, call Salvation Army, call AmVets, call Amway, call anybody who will come and haul your junk away. Whatever it is, you've got to clean your junk out. One of the greatest things... How much time I got? Oh, i got a couple minutes. Okay. Um, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me when I was a kid, I was I was 16 years old, I was driving my mom's station wagon, and... And it was christmas time i was delivering some stuff for her and i was coming back down the beltway you know where uh, the beltway and 270 merge just before you get to the american legion bridge it's really wide right there and all traffic stopped standstill stopped not even creeping totally stopped and so i'm sitting there and my aunt because i had things i wanted to go do that day and so now i'm getting angry and i'm getting frustrated i'm sitting in the car and uh, people start pulling out on the shoulders and they're flying up the shoulder I and mean, everybody's just busting loose doing whatever they can do it's like the wild wild west and so here comes a car a, a, a vw bug not the bugs that most of you are familiar with vw i'm talking old style herbie the love bug vw bug oh bum, 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 one of those old bugs like and he hops out there on the shoulder and he's going up the side well this conversion van you know those conversion bands that were so popular back like in the 70s and 80s with little pop tops and the couches in them so the, he pulls over to the shoulder and he like gets in front of the guy won't let the bug go by. I. Well, the a guy in the bugs getting angry he's banging on the horn he's got the windows down well all of a sudden me and all my anger just like subsides this is this is great no longer am i'm hurrying i roll all the windows down i even roll the back window down on the station i'm listening this, this is good what's going to happen next this is exciting i i i would not want to be in any other place but this i was a 16 year old teenage boy okay got me some slack man so uh there. So they finally st- they stop, right? And the guy in the bug gets out and he starts all these profanity. He's just rolling. The guy in the van gets out. They get to each other. You're yelling red in the face. They draw back. They're getting ready to hit. All of a sudden the traffic moves. They run back to their cars. Again, to they go, they're doing this, this back and forth. Traffic stops again. They get out, they run, yell, screaming, haul back, traffic moves. They run back to their car. You know, it was like a, you know, one of those races where you run to your car and you go, anyway, so they're just doing this over and over again. Finally, finally, everybody, the guy in the bug could not take it. He was like right on that guy's tail. He lets the guy get about twenty yards ahead of him, and he just floorboards it right into the back of that conversion band, destroys the front of that VW bug, does absolutely no damage to the back of the conversion band whatsoever. Like the front of that bug just shoots up, right? Like like the guy couldn't even see. He was trying to see over. I'm thinking how much junk was that guy carrying around with him for all these years of grudges that he built up that caused him to do something so stupid as that? And then after he does it, He wants to go all the way to the other shoulder on the other side. It was like the party in the Red Sea. Everybody just stood back and said, go ahead, go. (laughs) And I watched him drive. I watched him. I looked right out the side as he drove by me. And he was driving just like, because he could not see over the front. He just destroyed his car. Get rid of your junk. Get rid of your junk. Clean out your basement, your attic, whatever. And the N stands for this, never give up. Never, ever, ever give up. You said, you know, John, I've, I've struggled with this all my life. My parents struggle with it. My grandparents struggle with it. My great-grandparents struggle with it. We all struggle. I can't do it. So it's just this is the way it is. It's the way that's the way that person is, the way I am, whatever. No, you're wrong. And you know why? Because God would never give us a command that we could not fulfill. God would have never told uh, Cain that he could master this thing if it could not be done. God gives us these commands and this instruction because it can be done it can be done and we can pray about it and seek counsel and overcome last thing i want to say about this there is the grace of god some of us have gotten so angry thought oh my goodness all the stuff that i've done it's terrible can i ever you know recover from all that moses never got to the promised land right matthew chapter 17 the grace and the power of almighty god moses made it to the promised land and you need to read about that for yourself but by the grace of god his dream came true By the power of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. I just thank you so much God. For your word. And for your wisdom. And for the hope that you give all of us that we can handle our anger better, that we can have better relationships, more fulfilling lives, healthier lives. God, help us just to lay it out there on the line with you. Help us to seek you, to seek your will and your ways. Help us to do what we need to do and follow the plan that you put before us, God. Let us today, God, move forward, move forward in you in all that you have for us. In Christ's holy name, amen.